Good afternoon. I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And I maybe have COVID again. It depends, <laughs> it depends who you ask. I have taken two tests so far, one of which was positive and the other one was negative. You might say that it is an occupational hazard, but that takes away any agency from anyone who is involved in the equation, right? Like there are people who are forcing me effectively to go to work sick. There are people who are forcing these children to go to school sick. And so a consequence of that is my having COVID again. Yes. Yes. What disease that we don't understand, uh, understand at all. We don't know like what the long-term ramifications are. Yeah. So we'll see. I guess it's good that I quit smoking cigarettes. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, really, really fun to live in a world where long COVID or whatever the fuck, like some, you know, something that we don't understand is just dismissed and not studied enough. Really, really great country you got here. I got long COVID. Pass me the bong COVID. Right? Yes, yes. I don't know. Nice. All right, yeah. Something, something, I, something. I, I'm really sorry that we subjected our listeners to that, but uh, anyway. That's going in a reel for sure. That is going in a reel. That is going in a reel. Yeah, we, you know, trudging along. We have a, a, a nice lineup of episodes coming shortly. And um, for those that have listened for a while, you probably heard us talk about how goddamn impossible it can be to make a an all remote podcast. It doesn't matter where the person is, doesn't matter, you know, internet connection issues, whatever. Everything is is a slight manner of terrible for the most part. And uh, we put a put a lot of time and effort into doing this. Yeah, we really do. And we might have a solution, I guess, with this with this service that we were using before and we may be using again now. I mean, we just used it to record and it worked. I mean, nothing got messed up. So uh, hopefully we're trudging along in a forward manner as, totally. as opposed to two steps forward, one step back, which we're very well acquainted with as well. Yes, yes. We've gotten a lot of a lot of new listeners, a lot of new followers. Um, thank you for that. Um, we had, what What did you say the impressions on Spotify have been for like the past month, Connor? 21,000. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we love doing this. We're not, we're not bitching to just a bitch. We're bitching because we actually love doing this and are trying to make it as good as possible. Well, we just want people to understand that, like, the bad audio quality right at the beginning, some would say maybe continuing, uh, was a little out of our hands and it remains out of our hands. I think that podcasting is one of a few places where freedom is encouraged, I guess, online. And every little fee is an impediment to that. And every gated off service is an impediment to that. To us getting our word out there, right? Which it's not like we really have an agenda that we're pushing, but we kind of do. And 
people do not always agree with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 <laughs> so it, we won't be silenced. You know, it, it reminds me, and this, you know, this like social media landscape that we have in the year of our Lord Satan 2023, Twitter has gone to dog shit. Uh, Instagram went to dog shit a long time ago. Yeah. Tumblr was amazing. And then it went to dog shit. And I, I think it's kind of having a resurgence, but you know, there, there well, ways... Instagram was good. Oh, like, Instagram was great. Was yeah. Instagram was good. Yeah. But like, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Just bring us back the fucking chronological feed. Like, I, you can do ads. On any service. Yeah, you can do ads. I really don't give a shit because I'm I'm terminally on my phone. So, like, I I, I understand scrolling. Dude, I, I grew up in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s internet. That was just nonstop bat shittery. But, yeah, like, the, the podcasting thing we don't mind paying money for a good service. It's just that paying money to services that constantly suck or constantly fail is infuriating. I've said, you know, I've told many people this, but like as an, as a person that relies on Instagram for my business, I would pay $10 a month for, you know, not like a, a, I don't know. I'm not a tech person. I don't know how it would work, but like, I would pay $10 a month to have access to an account that like served me well all the time. Like, you know, and, and I know that like. For a chronological feed. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. I like think they would make, they would make tons of tons of tons of money. So yeah. I mean, and it was great when that was, the, when that was a thing. And now it's just like, like I'll see something from a good friend that I talk to every single day or like every other day in the vintage scene and I'll see their post three days after it was made. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Sorry. We, we, we like to go on rants around these parts. Well, and it's not like a fun, it's not like a fundraiser. Right? No, this no, is us not. just saying, yeah, here's the deal. This is just us using our plot. We try to be transparent. Yeah, we try to be transparent and also, you know, as Connor said, like like this like ultimate freedom and liberation for all people to be able to say and like live their lives how they want to is the goal. And you know, having this platform however small or large it, it is or becomes is just you know, it's some it's some way for us to say what's on our mind in ways that uh, we might not be able to in, in normal everyday life. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I heard this, uh, and Connor, I don't know if you've listened to it yet, but uh, I was loading up in a market yesterday, and uh, the organizers had been playing a playlist all day that was great shit. Like, right up my alley, some Charles Bradley, like some, you know, 60s like soul and r&b i can't remember exactly what it was you know just like good happy market music uh so there was a two-hour playlist and then spotify just took over after that and i gotta hand it to them man they 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 nailed this one but toward the end of the day there was a band from zambia that was playing and the song it it reminded me of like sweet jane from the velvet underground or as I as I 
was reminded of yesterday, the Cowboy Junkies cover of Sweet Jane that got radio play in the 90s. But it was just like, <laughs> like it immediately drew me to it. And they're called Aminaz. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, it is an acronym for Ask Me About Nice Artists in Zambia, which also might be the best acronym of all yeah, time. So tight. So tight. Uh, the song was Sunday morning. Uh, the album is called Africa. And holy shit. Like, I love it when a record knocks me on my ass. And this definitely did. It's uh, it's equal parts like Velvet Underground. Uh, it's got a lot of psych rock and a lot of like uh, 70s British, like heavy rock influence on it. But uh, definitely fucking check it out. Definitely check it out. So we've got our show with James Darley coming up. Yeah, uh, yeah. The always, always dressed to the T, to the nine. Yes. However you want to describe it. I mean, he always looks fucking great. We, we are, and in the way that in the way that everyone tries to, right? Like, right, it right. looks like it's it looks like he's not trying very hard. Yeah, we're we're not going to use the D word because we're firmly against that on the show. But uh, debonair. Debonair is fine. Yes, I was thinking of the other, the I'm other joking. very terrible. I, I mean, debonair is cool. Like that's an old school word. Yeah, debonair is a good Bring one. Bring that back. D with an A, a couple of P's, and an ER at the end. Not so much. No. Yeah, it was a fun, fun combo. Um, we talked about his early life, like growing up in one of the funniest named places of all time, because it probably took them twenty minutes to come up with it. And going to New York City as a, a child, we talked about uh, he and his partner hiking in the Catskills, which props, man, props. That's all I got to say, because Connor and I are both lazy. We talked, about, we talked about snowshoes for a first time. Yeah. There's some interesting snowshoe trivia yeah. in this episode. An actual snowshoe owner, which I, I didn't know existed outside of maybe Alaska or the tundra of Canada. He didn't divulge that he owned more than one pair, but it's an open question. I guess we'll have it is, to it is have an him open on again. Question. Yes. Yeah, and then we talked about the worst possible named fashion trend of all time. I don't like superlatives, but like, I kind of, I, I, I kind of got to give it that, but we talked about Gorpcore. Yeah. And we also divulged the acronym, which Connor somehow knew and or found James and I never heard it. And it's, because I know everything. It is as utterly as ridiculous of an acronym as you could possibly imagine. But you're going to have to keep listening to hear that. Yeah. 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 Listen to find out. Scratch to find. Scratch to reveal the answer. Scratch to reveal. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that show is coming up. Um, we appreciate everyone listening, following, rating, etc. If you like what we do and want to send us a buck or two, hey, we're not going to turn it down. Connor's Venmo is Still our coffers. Still our coffers for our wonderfully amazing, sophisticated setup that we use. Um, Connor's Venmo And is, we keep going on fucking vacation with this money, so please keep it up. <laughs> anyway, Connor's Venmo is at Connor Fowler, or sorry, Connor Dash Fowler. His PayPal is Connor Fowler at gmail.com. 
And yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks much. Broadcasting live from beneath miles of Montana earth and tons upon tons of structural steel and cement, we have duped yet another accomplished professional into appearing on our silly show. We have here in studio James Darley, political operative somewhere in the United States. Welcome. Hey, hey Connor, Matt, it's, it's great to be here. Oh, thanks for coming um, on. I've always been a very big fan of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always been a big fan of the show. I've uh, particularly loved it because I think you bring on some interesting individuals. You know, it's been great to hear from individuals outside of the menswear space like Shane Curry, Darren Johnston, uh, Zach DeLuca, just to name a few. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a crashing sound of applause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Connor keeps trying to get me on board no, and that's, with having like a soundboard where we can add in effects. And I'm every time I'm just like, dude, please no, please no. It would be like the rooster crowing, like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, like a like a '90s shock jock. I yeah. think it'd be very good, actually. I will make it happen the next time. Mark my words. Of course next you will. will of course, uh, James, how you doing? I feel like you need to. Yeah, no, uh, doing doing very well. Uh, glad to be on. And I just want to give both of you a big shout out because I know that Duh. how time consuming this is with the podcast. I appreciate well, it. You, Manny, have to, you are the one who has point. to put up with our shit. No, but I, I, I mean, <laughs> the, the two of you, the two of you, uh, like props to you for taking a vision, you know, and, and just and just going with it because well, it's truly, truly, truly a great podcast. Yeah, thank you, thank you thank for you. always being a supporter. I mean, what else is there? What else is there to say? Like, right. you have always, you have always talked us up. So, I don't know if you're delusional, but it seems to be working out for us so far. I mean, like I said, we have tricked yet another person into appearing on our program. So, yeah, as you can see, yeah, we're not well, going to be here. I'm... Thank you, thank you. We're not uh, very good at taking compliments. No, never. I've Who never is? taken a compliment in my life. People tell me I look nice all the time, and I scoff at them. You tell them I look like shit. <laughs> yeah, I say, what are you talking about? You blind? <laughs> so I guess we'll begin. Where are you from? So I grew up in West New York, which most people think is in New York State, and it's not. It's in New Jersey. So West, West New York, New Jersey. Wow. The, the founders of the town were, you know, quite creative. They saw that they were west of New York City. And so they said, you know what? I think it would be really good to name our town West New York. So that's how wow. it gets its name. I, I am that fascinated. That's American ingenuity. Yeah. Dude, I, one of the things that, like, I don't know if I've ever actually talked about it on the show, but, like, one of the things that, that makes me laugh so hard are ridiculous names for shit. Like it could be a business, oh, yeah. it could be a road, it could be a, a city like West New York, where it's just like, yo, guys, the like, what? It, how long did this take you to actually figure out the name of? But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy to know that people put in, you know, a half hour's worth of effort, and they were like, yeah, fuck this, this is this is our city. I like new directions. New Directions, <laughs> I have seen at least three times. I have photographs of this. I don't know. Sometimes it's a barber shop. 
New Directions. It is a well-known euphemism, a well-known euphemism. And so people are on board with it, I guess, when they make their barbershop, New Directions barbershop. I don't know. West New York, not exactly the same, but in that vein. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah, so that's where, that's. Sorry, one of my favorites is uh, is a hair salon called Curl Up and Die, D-Y-E. And I see that nearly every wow. week somewhere wow. in the rural south. Wow. Curl Up and Die is a really good one. Yeah. It is. I'm writing that down. Literally, <laughs> I'm writing that down. Speaking of literally, today I was trying to, I was trying to communicate to a student because he says literally all the time. You know, literally, I'm learning the letter B, whatever. Yes, Noah, you are literally learning the letter B. We're trying to discuss the difference between literal and figurative. This was an interesting discussion to have with a six-year-old, I guess. (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. Literally, your shirt is blue. Literally, my shirt is yellow and white stripes. But we didn't get very far with that. So uh, you're from West New York, New Jersey. Um, if, if you want to divulge because of your, uh, your status, whereabouts, and you don't have to be specific, are you now? So right now I'm actually splitting my time. Uh, my partner and I split our time between Northern New Jersey and Harlem and New York city. Oh, shit. We're, okay. Yeah, yeah, we're subleasing there right now, but we're looking to permanently move into the city. Nice. So basically almost every nice, single yeah. week is apartment hunting. Yeah, yeah, which is one I'm of the sure most infuriating like things. Very demoralizing. Like I'm trying to help my friend find an apartment in Baltimore, and it's like I this is my best friend on earth for twenty years, and I like badly want him to move back to Baltimore. Terrible, 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 terrible. And I can only yeah. imagine what it's like in New York. Well, in New York, I mean, it's so fast to market. I feel like something's there, and then you take a look at it, and the next day there's already an offer on on it. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. It's been an interesting experience. I can imagine. Yeah, it's kind of the same way in Atlanta. Like I've I've had a lot of friends, not myself because I'm a derelict, but uh, you know, looking to buy houses, and and that's been their experience. It's like, oh, this is you know, this is in within our budget. It was posted 45 minutes ago, and an hour and a half later, there's an offer on it. Like, really? Like, that's it happens that fucking fast? Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely mad. Nice. Well, uh, so what are you wearing today, if you don't mind? I mean, so how do we want to do this? Top to bottom or bottom to top? Well, up to you. Up to you. This show is about choice. This show is about freedom and liberty. <laughs> so, so it's up to you. All right. So let's go. Let's go top to bottom. Excellent. So it's a little bit chilly here in New York. Uh, it was lucky. unseasonably warm, but it's luckily feeling more like fall. So I'm wearing a Rubato V-neck sweater, one of their Lambs Bowl. I'm a big fan of them. They're nice. a Swedish company. Uh, they were actually recently in New York City for the permanence to help pop up mm-hmm. that uh, Simon Crompton usually does. They're two really cool guys, Carl and Oliver. So uh, that's what I got underneath it. I actually have a Brookskate Chambray shirt, Ooh, uh, which nice. I bought. Yeah, I bought it from uh, one of the trad people on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> one of the trad people. Yeah, yeah. they're out there. 
So uh, Glenn Glary Garage. I, I, I don't know if you guys have followed him, but yeah, what? this is actually where I got the shirt from. So I, I have to ask this question. Is that related to Glenn Gary Glenn Ross? It must oh, be. I, I think so. I, I'm not sure though. So, well, so is that a is that a trad movie? Like Pacino yeah, is it, like definitely Italian in that movie. Like his dress it, is it, Italian, it, extremely yeah, yeah. Italian in that movie. But I think like Kevin Spacey is very the disgraced Kevin Spacey is very like uh, kind of Ivy trim. Very put together. Anyway, excellent, excellent movie and play. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I feel like now I got to hit him up on Instagram and ask. You know what I was about to just do? <laughs> do exactly that. Yeah. Yes, yes. So uh, moving on down from there, of course, I feel like you got to you gotta go with one of the most important things, which is my REI men's merino briefs. It's staple. I mean, I use it wow. when I when I go hiking, when um, basically anything I do, I'm wearing them. I absolutely love them. Um, I think they are phenomenal. I have heard so much about the wool briefs, and I like have never done it because I feel like I know I will like it, and then I will have to spend thirty dollars on each pair of underwear. Yeah, that that's the issue. Luckily, like I always wait for them to get on sale, and I'm an REI member. Uh, so I see. I, I only buy them when they're in discount, but when I when they're on discount, I buy them in bulk. Oh, nice. yeah. Because you have exposed yourself now for our later section about Gorp and the outdoors, which yeah. we did not experience much as we are often locked in a bunker. <laughs> uh, so going on to the trousers, I'm wearing uh, made-to-measure cotton trousers from Stofa, which is okay. a New York based well, yeah. company. Love those dudes. Love those dudes. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're amazing. I love what they do, especially in terms of sustainability. Uh, Agesh, I mean, he's just great when it comes to creativity, making his own fabrics. I, I think they're just a, a phenomenal company, and I, I I wish them all the best. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. them them and eighteen East, like Antonio, are probably at this point just like the two raddest menswear brands that I can personally think of because of that attention to detail and that like trying to do shit that nobody else is doing, whether it's, you know, fabrics or, or, you know, in Antonio's case, like different kinds of cuts and shit. Like, I don't know. It, they, both of them blow me away. It's just stuff that people, not, uh, not other people are doing. Like I am cheap and poor. And so I never buy anything retail, but I did buy one piece of 18 East because I was what like, I got to fuck it. I got these, I got these orange cargos, which are made from this like Indian textile that is really beautiful and kind of deep. I think they got some sort of season desist for the color of them, I guess, was like too close to the a Dickies pant. So that, I don't know. That, I had, that is I had crazy. Yeah, I had to have them, and then I'm sad because they're drawstring, but they're still great. They're still awesome. I ripped them on my bike the first day that I had them. Huge, <laughs> a huge tear. So that's what I feel I like. Guess. I gotta see these on the Insta one of these days. Oh yeah, they're on there. They're on there. They're the only orange pants that I have. <laughs> I gotta take a look now. But yeah, yeah, I I'll, mean, I'll I think both, both of those brands them. are cool. Yeah, really, and then that's... 
I was gonna say since I'm uh, recording this for my house, I got my house sandals going on. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, which are some Birkenstock Kizays. Uh, nice. 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 Yeah, I wear the Boston's in the house. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. Well, I did until I absolutely destroyed my pair. But uh, yeah, what uh, what shoes? I feel like I got What shoes did you wear during the day? That was the important question. Oh, so uh, R.M. Williams Gardeners, because it's oh. raining outside. Jesus Christ, dude. You really just have fucking yeah. good taste. Great fucking taste. R.M. Really yeah, Williams are some of the best footwear that I've ever personally seen in my entire fucking life. And, like, I've thrifted a couple of pairs, sadly never my size. But, you know, that's that's like a dream, dream boot for me, especially the Gardener. Are they black? Yeah, they're black. Nice. I mean, I love nice. my gardeners. Every single time it's raining out there, I'll, I'll put them on. Yeah, I, I got them in Vancouver about two years ago, and I've never looked back. Absolutely love them, and I wear them to death. Yeah, and they're yeah. If, if I'm not mistaken, they're the only whole cut Chelsea boot in existence. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of the things that absolutely drew it to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think just having a whole cut Chelsea. Even in the gardener, I mean, I think it, it gives it a little bit of an elevated look. It gives it a nice, sleek profile. For sure. But even because the gardener is a bit more bulbous in terms of the last, because it's meant to be less dressy and more just out there for everyday use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of the things that always attracted me to it. Hell yeah. Well, since we have established that you have just fucking incredible taste, do you remember the first like piece of clothing or footwear or style, you know, something related to dressing that inspired you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was thinking a, a lot about, you know, what initially drew me to menswear. And I think if I take it all the way back, I didn't, I didn't grow up in, in a family where we were constantly dressing up. I mean, my, my father and my mother, they came here from South America. I'm first generation. My dad was originally from Colombia, came here when he was 20. My mom came here when she was a bit younger, when she was 10 in Ecuador. So growing up, my father, he was a jeweler. He was also a car, car transporter. And my mom hmm. always worked in the finance industry. So it's not that, you know, some people grow up and they have a large extensive family and they learn from their father or their uncles or, or someone who, who's a, a figure. And basically they, they look at that style and they appreciate it from a menswear perspective, but that, that wasn't the case for me. And even going up through elementary school, I wouldn't say that we were poor, but we were definitely working class. And I went to a public uh, elementary school in, in West New York, which is a predominantly Latinx community, mm. um, many new immigrants. It's actually an interesting community because in the 60s, uh, a lot of Cubans came in there. So they used to call it Havana on the Hudson. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then in the 80s and 90s, it, it shifted over and you saw a lot more uh, Central American immigration into, into West New York. So it was, it was a very diverse and rich Latinx community. Uh, but you know, many people were in similar circumstances. So I think when the first time I I needed to start thinking about more tailoring or, or menswear or more what people probably associate with me now was when I went to high school. 
And, you know, I'm very grateful for my parents because they, they worked very hard so that they could take me out of the public school system, which was tough in, in West New York, and put me into a, a preparatory school in Jersey City yeah. uh, named St. Peter's Prep. It was an all-boys high school. But, you know, I think people typically associate preparatory schools as being areas of affluence. That wasn't the case here. This is the New York metro area. Jersey City is now the most populated city in New Jersey. But back then it was in the top three. Um, and it was a large mixture. I mean, it, it, was, it reflected the diversity that the New York metro area had. But we mm. had a very, very strict dress code. We had to wear a jacket, a dress shirt, a tie, dress slacks, and dress shoes. And it was my first time really being exposed to any of this. And my, my, I remember my mom at the time, all her boss, because she worked in finance, uh, had gone to Harvard. And they came from a very affluent Jewish family. And my mom asked, mm -hmm. you know, what, what should I get my, my son now that he's going to this preparatory school? And I remember even having a conversation with her boss. And one of the things that first struck me was his Allen Edmonds Park Avenue Oxfords. Nice. And there were these I had never seen leather shoes before in my life. And they were, you know, shining, beaming. And I looked to myself and I said, one day that's what I want to get. Um, and, and that was the first thing that really struck out to me. That's a great answer. Wow. That's well, a really great answer. I have two I have two questions. Yeah. One question would be were there requirements on the jacket? Like, could you have worn a tweed jacket? So there were requirements on the jacket. You could wear a tweed jacket. You could basically wear any type of jacket that didn't have a logo. Ah, I see. Uh, okay, gotcha. And and actually, I prior to this, I was I was looking because before when we went to prep, we would get a handbook at the beginning of the year. And it was a written handbook. Now it's in a PDF file. So if you <laughs> don't mind, I actually want to pull up two excerpts that I please. I yes, saw that are we love, we love what is it called? It's a first. It's a primary source. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Bring so this on. is straight from the 2023-2024 handbook. Okay. It says dress shirts are to be worn with properly knotted and positioned ties. Denim, flannel, and corduroy shorts are not dress shirts, nor are Hawaiian shirts or those with large decals and lettering numbering. Wow. This is amazing. Dress slacks, dress slacks are only to be worn, only are to be worn. No denim lookalikes, no pants with external pockets, decals, or lettering, no balloon pants cargo pants or fatigues and pants should not be overly turned up at the cuff as wow. to make them short. Wow. They really, they wow. really got everyone. Yeah. It's a 2020, hashtag menswear dude that loves his Cuccinelli cargo pants would have been sadly, sadly shot on sight. like bummed out, you know, just completely not allowed at all. Completely demoralized by this dress code. I know. So, I mean, that's just kind of shows the degree that they would go for the dress code. And it was strictly enforced. Right. Yeah, yeah. of course. Well, so 
Do you know do you know what a Baltimore accent sounds like out of curiosity? I don't know. Cuz I can't do it. But it is odd. And so I say this because if you are to serve on jury duty, you have to call in and listen to this recorded thing. And it's this woman and she has the most Baltimore voice and she says, "No leggings, Megans or Jeggins." <laughs> are allowed in the courtroom that's great <laughs> that's what i and that's what i think of so when did you get your first pair of alan edmonds that's the question right so i actually didn't end up getting my first pair of alan edmonds until after grad school when i started my first full-time job wow what were you doing so i studied history no right. I, I don't i don't mind i studied history I did a ton of internships with historical societies and museums. I thought that was going to be my career path. Uh, came out. It was the Great Recession. And most of those uh, markets are very stagnant. Yeah. So okay. I, didn't, I, I, couldn't find, I couldn't find a job. I applied for literally close to a year and couldn't find an entry-level job in that industry. So my mom finally said, you, you know what, maybe you should look at the finance industry. And I ended up working in the finance industry for about four years. Wow. I didn't really care for it, but I worked in it. And it right. was during yeah. that time that I got my, my first Alan Edmonds. Wow. Nice. nice. I feel like that is the, like, the, like, tailored clothing, menswear, whatever the fuck you want to call it. That is the intro shoe. Like, it's that and an Alden quote, like, color eight long wing. And those are the two shoes that everyone wants, like, out of the gate. Or like a floor shine imperial yeah. cleat something. Yeah, like well, I, 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 I'm talking more. Like... Well, they, back in the day, they were they were equal equal level with Alden. I'm talking about the like gun boats. more modern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all the same shit. So I was going to ask you, and I think I know the answer now. Like, you could you customize your uniform in some way? Like, did you do anything to like stand out? So, I mean, you could customize it in the sense that you could, so there was a rule there that said you could either wear a tie or a turtleneck. Huh. <laughs> and I, I've, even to this day, I don't like wearing ties. I like the way ties look, mm -hmm. but I find them to be incredibly uncomfortable. So back when, I, obviously when you're in high school, and you're having lunch and you want to go and play soccer or basketball or something with your friends, you probably don't want to wear a tie. Most people between 13 and 17 don't want to wear a tie every single day. So when it used to get very cold out, and at this time, I didn't know that this was a New England thing, I thought I was cool, and I would put on my, my turtleneck and then a dress shirt on top of it. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good look, though. Yeah, so so that's the way I would customize it, and I would just go around, and then I started to see more and more people do it, and it kind of kind of became a thing. You were a trendsetter, the tie and putting on a turtleneck. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you you were doing your like wanna be like you know '60s coffee shop folk thing your own way. It would yeah, be I've... like uh, a beatnik. Yeah, beatnik shit. Exactly. That's like a beatnik look. Yeah, beatnik yeah. look. Yeah, which is cool. Hell yeah, it is cool. Uh, that kind of leads perfectly into the next question, which is, I, I don't know how that happened, but, uh, you know, we basically you could look like Steve Bannon or 
uh, which is where the the shirt and the layers, you know, come in or whatever, or uh, any of the other thousands of shitty looking representatives and people in government, but you choose not to. Like what, you know, when you're going to work and getting ready in the morning, like what inspires you to get dressed? I think it really comes down to, to three things. It's as much as I, I think there's a lot of influence in when you're in your adolescence and people tell you something and at going to prep every single day, they would state to you, you know, you need to look a certain way because individuals perceive people based on how they look. And that was something that was ingrained in me probably between the ages of 13 to 17 on a regular basis. And even to this day, because I, I work in, in politics and government and, and spe- specifically in, in legislation, and a lot of what you need to do in, in these meetings is influence people. And I think when you're trying to, to portray yourself as, as somebody who's going to be honest, who is going to be a straight shooter and talk a certain way and you're dressed in a conservative manner, people kind of associate the two things together, Uh, whether Mm -hmm. that's better or for worse. I I think there's an association in the U S of it. So that's one of the reasons. And the second one is that I, I work in a field where I've, I've worked for several different politicians and as a staff member, you're an extension of that person. That, that's the individual who's been elected by the voters to represent them. And many times you take on a similar wardrobe to, to what they wear. And in New Jersey, especially in northern New Jersey, where you have a very large Italian-American influence, mm-hmm. there tends to be a very conservative thought to, to dress, especially in the political sphere. Um, if you're in a meeting, you're expected to be in a conservative suit and a tie. And that's been the case with my previous boss, who was a county commissioner, Italian-American in, in Bergen County. And my other boss at the state legislature, he, he's not Italian-American, he's Jewish, but he also comes from a conservative uh, dressing background. And he, he expects in a, a certain type of I guess a wardrobe to be worn when it comes to meetings. So that that's always at the the top top of mind when I'm, I'm getting dressed in the morning. If you had told me that you were in the military, I would have believed you. Yeah, without question. Yeah, I would have been what? like, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Is that the haircut? That's interesting. That's interesting. No, dude, it's the like adherence. I guess it's the like routine it's the like i dress like i am able to dress the same way every single day it's the discipline right i guess okay it's not like a boring thing it's like a tradition thing you know like you were just saying you know it's about tradition it's about projecting a certain image which you are a master at clearly i i think that's really the case when most of us are getting dresses that we're trying to project an image it's it's interesting. It's something that I've always loved about menswear, not just tailoring, and not just menswear. I mean, fashion in general. When when it comes to all different facets of individuals getting dressed, I I just find it interesting as to 
you know, what has, what are they trying to portray to the world? What has influenced their style? Right, right, right. Because if I wore sweatpants to the school, I'd be fucking lunch meat. I would be gobbled up. I would be destroyed, you know? So I have to wear the tie. I have to wear a jacket. Because you think that a five-year-old doesn't get it. The five-year-old gets it, you know? They're very perceptive. I'm actually interested, Connor. Do most teachers dress similar to you? No. My God, no. no. Uh, I would say, like, so there are very few male educators at all it's like me and one other guy in the school who is actually on this show mr fleming mr fleming wears tailoring a lot because he's younger you know and so he wants it to be like the teacher image and not the guy just wearing a jacket you know because kids can tell if you're faking it yeah as I am. <laughs> right? So like they, they really, I mean, do behave for me. They don't like mess around with me at all because they can see that I take my job seriously. And I think some other people in the school, they really have a hard time. <laughs> so it's really, it's really about uh, projection, I guess. So, so you think that if you dress differently, that the, the your interactions with the kids would be slightly different than what they are now? They, they would be able to perceive that? When I started out, I wore joggers and combat boots. I wore black joggers, black hoodie, olive fishtail parka, mirrored sunglasses every day. I looked like the Unabomber, you know? I was like serious. <laughs> I was like very serious. But it was the wrong image you know there was no reference for this like i looked like i was a vc or something i was not there to be doing the job of a teacher and so i think it was very hard for me to control i mean it was an impossible assignment it was 37 students which yeah that, try that to, teach, try teachers to student ratio geez. yeah oh. try to wrangle 37 literate adults who like you you know it's it's not it is not an easy task so yeah i think i had to start dressing the part and now it is the results are i think speak for themselves that's awesome that's amazing to hear yeah thank you to toot my own horn a little bit so when did you kind of get into the online menswear culture james i didn't really get onto the online menswear culture probably until around covid Oh, really? interesting. Yeah. yeah. I would have thought you were an old hand. No. I, so I, I think when I was just going through the journey, I was wondering if there was anybody else out there. And one of the things I had, I had never really done was look on the internet. And I remember first stumbling upon Die Workwear and reading some of the articles and saying, you know, this is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Shout out, shout out Derek. Guy. Yes. Right. Yeah, Der- Derek's amazing. Then, of course, put this on and eventually mm-hmm. gravitate into Style Forum. And then I thought when I joined Style Forum, it was great to be able to interact with uh, people who had similar interests and just be able to talk about 
uh, different products, learn a new different things. Yeah. Uh, but prior to COVID, I, I really didn't, you know, even know that this existed uh, on the internet. I, I just never have really searched for it. Yeah, that's really cool. It's very surprising. Yeah, it, also surprising. But, you know, we, uh, we've we heard that from other people as well, that like, you know, they might have they might have been around it a little bit here and there, but then, you know, COVID and everything just really ramped up their need for like finding a community, which, I mean, I think we all can agree that that has been a, a part of our lives for the past few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's interesting to see out of COVID how many small businesses have been formed, how many people have found their hobbies just yeah. because they were searching for something to do uh, during that time. For sure. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's one of, and unfortunately, as, as horrible as COVID has been, it's been one of the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. Well, in the piss poor governmental response, of course, people have really shown their resilience and shown their ingenuity and creativity like yeah i mean this show has come out of that pretty much basically pretty much not even basically you know this has been because sometimes i tell people about so of course i tell people about the show but like i tell people about my life like oh i take at least 10 pictures of myself every day it's my fit pick what is a fit pick what do you mean a fit pick Right. It's an outfit picture, a picture of my outfit, which I do daily because people are curious what I am wearing. Some people allegedly are curious what I'm wearing, but it's like you couldn't make it up. (laughs) It's just a weird it's just as a weird community that. We are all happy to be a part of. Yeah, it's a bunch of nerds finding other nerds to nerd out about things with like what it boils down to, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you, so you're posting on Styleform regularly at the, like right now, like in 2023 currently, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like so I, I, I don't post fit pics on, on Styleform, but I usually uh, comment, uh, especially on, on the ongoing bespoke projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I usually talk, talk about Neapolitan tailoring there. Yeah. Um, and some of the, some of the Neapolitan tailors that are now coming to New York City. Hell yeah. Uh, I, I will say you dodged a you dodged a massive bullet by getting onto Style Forum in like 2020, because those message boards used to be, especially the "What are you wearing today?" threads used to be like just roasting people all the fucking vicious. time, v- fucking vicious. And I'm I'm curious as to how it is now. Like I'm hoping a lot of people have chilled out about shit. I mean, by and large, I, I think there there still is a little bit of that, yeah. but I think by and large, people are actually there because they want to have <clears throat> conversations with others in the space for sure. Have educated conversations. Yeah, that was always my intent with it. Like, it it was something that I thought was cool, and like you said, you you wanted to like know that other people also thought the same thing was cool, and just like yeah, like talk about things and. Dude, I can't tell you how much shit that I've learned over the years on message boards. From you know, you want someone to pat you on the back. You want someone to like give you some recognition that you do this insane thing every day, where you set up a tripod and take a picture of yourself. You know, keep going for whatever reason. 
Right. <laughs> I, I, I did not get as many compliments as I would have liked over the years. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I was like a bad poster or whatever, but like I'm very particular about shit and uh, people sometimes just can't seem to grasp that like I wear the things that I do the way that I do because it makes me feel good. And so it's like, oh, your pants are too short. Motherfucker, I'm five foot nine. Like, I like short pants. I don't want my pants to touch my fucking shoes. Or, yeah, things like that. But, uh, yeah, overall, it was it was a fun thing. But the vi- like the viciousness of it all was also, like, objectively funny in certain ways. Because it, I'm imagining this, like, 55-year-old lawyer sitting in his office, you know, like berating Chopping on a cigar. Yeah. Berating some kid that just like, hey, I got my first blue blazer. How does it fit? Oh, this this is wrong. This is wrong. You clown. You should you criminal. You should fucking a murder crime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, on Melissevich over here. Go out into your yard and set that shit on fire. Like, what? How on earth? Like, yo, tell him tell him how he could change it because that's why he's posting this to begin with. Yeah, I think that, people that were was... not interested in constructive criticism. Time was. I'd say that was one of my biggest pet peeves with the Ivy style Facebook group. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I can only imagine a fucking Facebook group. What it would be like. Yeah, I think there's like a very rigid thought of like this is Ivy, and there's nothing else. If if it deviates from that just absolutely crushing and roasting people. Well, it's like the very tip of Ivy style is a white supremacist ideology. I think it is inarguable. Like there are the Ivy purists. What do you think else they are pure about? I wonder. That's why I was a big fan of uh, Berkeley breeze before his Instagram went down. Cause he would basically look at it the whole gamut of yearbooks of preparatory schools and show that, you know, Ivy style is just not this waspy thing. Totally. But it was integrated into cultures all throughout the U.S. Not a monolith. Yeah, definitely not a monolith. And, you know, like the, you know, one of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes is the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I guess the the desire behind a person wearing an Ivy thing, like there's there's so many different things that drive a person into that look. And yeah, like it, it whether it's subversion or whether it's conformity is kind of like the root of the question because there's there's so yeah. many different like experiences with Ivy and trad or whatever and tailoring in general. And that's why we give you so much money, Matt, for making points like that. (laughs) No, I mean, I think that's really good. I mean, subversion or conformity, like that is kind of the yin yang of Ivy style. Like, are you doing this in an ironic way or are you doing this for real? Like, do you want to go to, do you want to go to Brown? So, yeah, I wanted to ask about tailoring, I guess. You say Neapolitan bespoke tailoring that rings a bell. I think you're, and I don't want to, I don't want to like lavish you with compliments, but like the fit of your clothing is really, really impressive. Like it's, uh, 
uniform. You know, it's across the board. It's like everything always fits. Everything always looks good. Everything is always flattering. So like, what is the root of that? I mean, was it a trial and error? So I think if I, if I go back to when I first started having to wear tailoring on a daily basis, cause I worked in finance. Right. Right. And we're, and we're talking you about, if you don't mind, you're like a bond trader. No. So I started off in asset-based lending okay. and then I went to hedge of hedge funds, uh, for one of the large international banks. I see. So you're really doing the, doing the deed. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was, it was interesting. I've always enjoyed been, have an inquisitive mind. So it was interesting for the time that I did it, but I knew that it was not something that I wanted to do for as a career. Yeah. I would yeah. imagine, I would imagine like sometimes if you're not, if you're not of a certain mindset, it can be soul sucking. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I, absolutely. I think you, I think anything that you walk working extremely long hours you need to have, be passionate about in, at, at some level. Yeah. If not, it's just exactly that. So yeah. well, it's hard to be passionate, truly passionate about money. You know, it is a thing that has nothing. It has no soul. So it's a constant quest for that is like yeah, exhausting. I mean, I worked in finance too. I was a copywriter and like, it was my job to write copy that was like, the point was to scare people. Where will you be when the dollar dies? That kind of thing. So I am also happy to not be in the in that air arena any longer. So I, I guess go, going back to then when I originally started off in the finance industry. Yeah, I I, I didn't really have any types of guides. I wouldn't I wouldn't read magazines. Uh, I wouldn't really look at the internet. I mean, I'm, as we talked about before, just started finding kind of this community during during COVID. So for me, my only reference was what I had learned when I was in prep school, what I had learned from, you know, my, my mom's bosses. And it was what you would expect of American tailoring. Yeah. It was Alden, Alan Edmonds, Brooks Brothers, J press a little bit of Ralph Lauren and that that was kind of the my base and my first for foray into tailoring so I, I I remember walking in uh when when you join the finance industry especially at one of these banks they would give you a card they brand a you. discount yeah they would give you a discount card <laughs> and the discount card was for like several of the menswear places and I saw that it was 20% off Brooks Brothers. And I had never wow. been in a Brooks Brothers store in my life. So I went over to the one on Fifth Avenue that has since closed. Sadly. We were walking mm -hmm. through these doors and just being completely overwhelmed. It was yeah. four stories. They had an escalator in the building. You're immediately greeted when you're coming in. And it's like, sir, like, what, what are you looking for? How can I help you today? And I thought to myself, I don't even know what, what I'm looking for. Besides the fact that I know I need to buy clothing. Right. So that, that's how I kind of first started off is just going to Brooks, you know, buying some of the basics like dress shirts, 
Oxford cloth button downs. The OCBD, Navy, of course. Yeah, OCBDs, Navy blazer, you know, buying the the two the two two suit special. And then as I started to evolve, that that was had always served as my basis for tailoring, like well up into I would say the past two or three years. And it was through style form and I work where that I started learning about different approaches to tailoring outside of the United States. Like what is Italian tailoring? What is British tailoring? What is French tailoring? And you know, what are the specific nuances of each? Yeah. And I, and I thought to myself, I wear, I still to this day wear nearly three times uh, a week. So I should probably invest money in terms of finding a specific style that I like something I'm going to feel comfortable in that I'm going to be wearing for 13, 14 hours throughout the day. And that's how kind of I ended up gravitating towards Neapolitan tailoring uh, just because of how unstructured it is. Some people will debate, you know, whether or not it's appropriate as a business suit or, or whatnot. But for me, it's just something that I put on feels like a second sweater feels comfortable. And, um, for the bespoke process, especially if you're going to, to Napoli to get it, it's relatively, and I'm going to put that in quotes, cheap. Because if you're looking at a garment <laughs> in the United States through a trunk show, you're easily looking like four to $6,000. And right. that's not the case for a lot of these Neapolitan houses. What does that run, if you don't mind me asking? I mean, just as an average, like... Well, it, it, it depends who's introducing. There's yeah, so many right. of them. Like, what, what, what is the size of the house? Uh, but I would say on the low end, you're probably looking at 1,200 to 1,500 euros. Which is, I mean, not unreasonable, I wouldn't yeah, that's, say. That's insanely reasonable. Holy shit. Yeah, for, for bespoke, I would say that's, a, that's very, very reasonable. Yeah. And I, typically, you're going to be capped off unless you're talking about Rubenacci, which probably the largest house in the Neapolitan tailoring. Probably, I would say, around 3,500 to 4,000 euros, which okay. is still a lot less than what you would see from British bespoke. Right, tailors. yeah. I mean, I like I sold Hickey Freeman at uh, one of my past jobs, and like a Hickey suit, you know, in a, in a good cloth, not like a amazing cloth, was like 2,500 bucks for like a, you know, made to measure. So, yeah, yeah. like go... I mean, you know, all things factored in, like flying to Napoli, et cetera, like maybe it's not as like much of a quote unquote deal, but I mean, that's still, that's still absurd to me for like that level of craft. Yeah. Should we, I think, define bespoke just in case there are people who don't know. It means the cloth is spoken for, right? Yes. Someone has claimed it. It's a custom order. Yeah. And, and it kind of differs from made to measure in the sense that it, you have your own pattern drafted for you rather than using a pre-existing pattern. Yes. Um, and then making tweaks to it. Yes. If you, if you want to go down the deepest of rabbit holes, look at Derek Guy's writing on made to measure versus bespoke versus custom, et cetera. Uh, it's a, it's and a tre that treasure trove. GQ article, GQ article that just came out about the disappearing tailors of Napoli. Yeah. Also fantastic. Read. With James actually. Yeah. Amazing, amazing article, uh, beautifully written and a really 
terrific photography as well. Yeah, honestly, one of the best. Yeah, GQ, no. one of the best GQ articles I've seen in probably ten years. Yeah, in a long, long time, there was really a standout like knockout piece. You will read the entire thing in two minutes. Like, just amazing work. Yeah, it was a it was a phenomenal piece, and I, I was so grateful when you sent it to me. I didn't even know that it was there, and then I read it. I was like, this is this is an excellent piece. Yeah. Well, and this is the whole of it, right? Like, otherwise, without this community, I wouldn't have had anyone to send it to. Exactly. Right? I would have no one to talk about it with. I would have no one to appreciate it with. Because doing stuff, there is this idea, especially in this country, that doing things alone is virtuous, when in fact, it's hollow. Rugged individuality. Rugged individuality, baby. Fucking. It's so bad. If you can't say, look at this guy's shirt. Look at how cool this guy's shirt is. What do you have even? Yeah. It's crazy. So you're, you mentioned, uh, you, you know, you mentioned an, being an outdoorsman uh, a couple of times already. And from our, you know, re- extensive research, we learned that you're a member of a couple of clubs. Yeah. So I had always been an outdoorsy person because my, my father uh, growing up he, he loved being in the outdoors and yeah. if i wasn't going to either see a, a museum or some sort of musical with my mom on the weekends in new york city because i west new york is so close to the city i would be outdoors with my father whether it be fishing camping um hiking and because of that i always just love that kind of yin and yang i love the city and the energy that it brings but also just being outdoors, I find to be absolutely therapeutic. And when it came to, to COVID, my, my partner and I, we were trying to find something to, to do together, something that we could leave the house and be able to enjoy. And we started hiking in the Catskills, which is about two, two and a half hour drive for us. Um, so about four to five hours round trip. And we went up there, we did one or two peaks. And then all of a sudden we learned that there was a a club called the 3500 club. And in order to become a member of the 3500 club, you need to hike every single peak in the Catskills above 3,500 feet. And then you have to hike four of them in the winter. Oh, so we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to do this together. Because it's snowy, right? I mean, I assume it's it's at least a little snowy. It, it Depending on, on the winter, it could be a little snowy. I remember when we did one of the peaks, it had recently gotten three feet of snowfall. <laughs> wow. So we went out there in our, our snowshoes, and, and somebody was a lot of fun. So you, uh, have, you have snowshoes? Yes. You were like, that's like real. So they So you put them onto your boot? Yeah, so exactly. You put your boot, and then... The, the snowshoe is attached. Um, there's different attachment okay. points based on the snowshoe. But in, in New York State, it's very important. In some areas, it's illegal to hike in the winter after you have eight inches of snow without snowshoes because they can be dangerous. It causes something called post-holing. So when, you are, when it gets warm, all that compact snow underneath starts melting. So when all of a sudden when you're hiking and if you don't have the snowshoe to displace your weight, you could find yourself creating a hole that could be a foot deep, which is dangerous for you 
and extremely dangerous for other people hiking because if they right. when they're hiking if they get caught up in in, in that hole once it ices over again because of the the temperature could lead to a broken leg a broken ankle so that's why in some areas it's actually illegal to to uh, hike without his snowshoes in the winter wow the more you know yeah i never would have considered that in my life and i like am i love the outdoors i don't love being in the outdoors <laughs> i think my skin work? well my skin is very fair and so i burn and i also am extremely lazy so I don't like to walk and hiking at the very least involves walking, if not a little more of a trot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have enjoyed it. I like to hike around stuff. It just is daunting. And I don't even know how you would do it in inclement weather. I just am kind of a baby, I guess. I, I, think, that that, I think that that's how many peaks is that? The 3,500 club. So it, it's actually varied. Uh, two, two of the peaks used to be in private property and the, the owners no longer allow access, but it was um, 39 summits in total that we did to become 3,500 wow. club members. Jesus Wow, Christ. that's crazy. So did you get a 20% off Brooks Brothers coupon when you, <laughs> when you got in? When, when I got to the last summit? They gave was, you that? that? They, gave you an, they gave you an REI <laughs> membership? REI membership, free membership for life. Hell yeah. That's amazing though. I think that's really cool. What kind of boots do you wear? So I have I have two boots. I have one for the summer and then one for the winter. For the summer, it's the Lot Sportiva uh, Nucleo, which is actually, funny enough, uh, Italian hiking company. Well, because yeah, they so have a lot, right? Like the Italians make a lot of hiking boots. They do. They they make quite a quite a bit of uh, hiking boots. So for for those, I mean, I I like them because it, it this varies from person to person. Some people don't want ankle support when they're hiking. Uh, they feel that they could move freer and cover better distances. I do. So that's yeah. more of a high that top seems, boot. That seems like again, I am not an outdoorsman, but like it would seem to me that not supporting your ankle is a bad idea. I think so, but some people prefer not to have ankle support when they're hiking it's it's Do all we have a name for them is there like so, a slur for someone who doesn't use ankle support no not not that i know of at least like i don't know i don't know what it would be <laughs> we'll return we'll return to that idea yeah let's return to that and then for the winter ones i just have ones that i bought at a columbia outlet probably like 10 years ago and i uh, i love them i don't even know what model they are but I've used them for 10 seasons now and they keep keep on giving. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That, hey, that's that's quality right there, baby. Uh, yeah, so hell yeah. Being being, you know, involved with the outdoors and obviously like at this point things are insanely technical. But in recent years and I'm going to hate myself for saying this fucking term, but uh we have seen the uh, rise of "Quote unquote Gorp Core," and I can't remember. I think Gorp. Is, I think Gorp is an acronym for something, but I'm I'm blanking. It sure on is. Uh, what what is it? Do you know, James? I, I actually don't. Uh, well, I'll enlighten you guys. It stands for good old raisins and peanuts, like a tra- <laughs> like a trail mix. 
Now like I'm even trail mix, for example. Now I'm even more embarrassed. Now it makes it worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it makes really, it a lot worse. As if, as if Gorpcore as a, a word couldn't be bad enough. The fucking acronym. Gorpcore sounds. Gorpcore sounds like a death metal genre. Yeah, it sounds like so a fucking. We're, a, dude, we're in a Gorpcore band. I mean, yeah, you know, it's pretty exactly. heavy, pretty loud. Yeah, to me, to me, Gorpcore sounds like a Saw movie title or like a subtitle. It sounds know. like it sounds pornographic. Also, okay. I mean, it yeah. sounds like a euphemism. For All right, something. we're we're, we're meandering. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, we, we've got this this rise in like the the fashion world of this particular style of like outdoorsy stuff. You know, it, I guess, I guess the jury is still out on like what most people are wearing is uh, actually practical for the outdoors versus not. That's not the question. But uh, I, I would love to hear your take on seeing this kind of shit in in a more like high fashion element versus like you on a summit in the Catskills. I mean, I, I, I found it interesting. I, I've seen it a lot in New York City, especially yeah. in the last two years. Uh, I've all of a sudden seen people wearing Sportivas, Solomon, and Solomon has become huge. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. among... People like that branding. Yeah, more the hipster and, and, and gorpy community. I personally don't have anything against it. I mean, I, I, I personally don't have anything against it. I mean, I think when it comes to it, fashion style is how you want to express yourself. Totally. And I think maybe it also had some positive influences that some of these lesser known companies that were just out there making outdoor gear have now been able to increase their revenue and create both. A, a fashion stream because I think there's while you know Gorpcore you know, it could be debated whether or not it's seen at Zenith I think mm-hmm. with many of these things in fashion you see that it comes in waves so definitely I think it's going to be something that continues so I I, I personally think that I, I think it's it's great for people to, to have found this maybe it's a bit overkill for a lot of the things that you're going to be doing on a daily basis. Right, right. There's specific reasons for it, but I mean, props to them to, to find something that they enjoy wearing. I feel like there there's definitely a balance to be struck in between uh, an actual like everyday fit that is, you know, practical and makes you feel good versus like a Reddit fit that goes the hardest possible with like all of these different elements. You're like, is that is that really something you want to like go you know, go get coffee in like a little unnecessary at times. I think we pride ourselves on this show with being linguistic innovators. And by this, I mean, some things are said on this show that I am positive are not said elsewhere on earth by anyone. For example, Gorpcore Zenith. I don't think anyone has said that phrase. I, I, I bet you are unique in saying that phrase. I like it. It it struck me. That was a that was a very I wrote fa- it down. Very fantastic way to put it. And so you know, right? And so you know, and so you know it's real. So I guess we will wrap up. I have a question for you, burning a hole inside me. What kind of trail mix do you like? Do you even like trail mix? Should it have raisins in it? So I don't use trail mix. 
Are you like a protein shake? Like you have like a bandolier of protein shakes and you're just like guzzling them down? I, I wish. I actually love RX bars. Yeah, those are good. Those yeah, are good. so I, that's usually what I use when I'm on the hiking trail. But yeah, I've never been a fan of trail mix. I don't know, something about nuts and raisins and chocolate. So you're anti. I'm pro. I, I, I love that. I, 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 I am confident in saying that we are a pro trail mix show because I also love trail mix. Hell uh, yeah. I'm, I'm we, are a gorpy, we are a gorpy outfit. I, I am vegan. I'm definitely in the minority when it comes to this. Yeah, I'm vegan, so I have to stay away from ones with like M&M or M&M, you know, offshoot things in it. But like... Affiliates, M&M yeah. affiliates. Yeah, when I, when I am like in the middle of nowhere and I stop at a gas station because I need like a snack, like... Trail mix is, is one of the like three things that I regularly choose. I like to eat things by the handful. Yeah. And so it's good. I don't love that. It's part, nice to eat things but, by the handful. Yeah. I was gonna say one I was gonna say one more thing too. You are like me, James, an incognito Latino. Yeah. Yeah. I was so I was so shocked when you told me that. By the way, well, it's very shocking. No yeah, one yeah. has any clue. But yeah. yeah, my grandmother came from Honduras. Honduras. That is Honduras. That is very very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I, I get all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I, I think one time a person has actually guessed the correct country that I'm from. Right. But besides that, I get I get Italian. I, I live close to a Turkish community. I go into yeah. a Turkish restaurant. People are speaking to me in Turkish. I get Turkish. I get Lebanese. I've got Southeast Asian. Yeah. I mean, wow. just just Run personally, I can see the Italian. Like, that would have been my guess. Well, and you say Italian, too, which, like, makes it very convincing. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was super cool to, to, to learn about that. That's that your background is from Honduras. You just are a nice person. You know that? You're just an extremely nice person. And so it's been awesome to have you on the show. I mean, this has been a long time in the works. And so we're happy that we were finally able to uh, get it. Because you're not sick anymore. I'm a little sick. It just, you know, it's a shitty yeah. thing. My, my, so anyway, vo- my voice you. is not shot uh, from screaming like it was yeah. on the last one. <laughs> Anyway, James, dude, yeah, I, I just want to echo what Connor said. Thank you for coming on. This has been great. And uh, we always like to give the guests a chance to shout out themselves or something that they would like to. So here's yours. No, I mean, it's been it's been a lot of fun. The only thing I would say is I I really value communicating with other people in the in the in this space, I think it's a really fun community, whether it's via style forum or Instagram, just the way that Connor sent me over that amazing GQ article. Um, if you ever want to reach out um, on Instagram, my, my handles blazers and button downs. So you'll find me there. Always happy to connect with people. Uh, always happy to, to discuss different things, uh, especially when it comes outfit. to this yeah, small yeah. little community. If you wear like tailored clothing or nicer things on the regular, um, it's a it's a great source of inspiration because it it like Connor said, just going to reiterate, it fucking fits perfectly. Yeah, James will talk to you about it, and not even in, in like an annoying, overly long winded way, just to like 
unlearned way, a way of knowledge. Yes, yes. Well, well the two of you are, are far too kind and keep up the podcast because it's amazing. Thank well, we, you very much. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. We certainly appreciate that. And we appreciate everyone that listens. Uh, please rate on whatever your platform of choice is. Um, and follow us too. Follow us uh, at Apocalypse Duds on Instagram. If you would like to send us an email, I'm, I'm going to keep making this fucking stupid joke. It's at, or sorry, it's Apocalypse Duds at gmail.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Toodaloo.